I'd like to turn your attention to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to begin with verse 25. I don't plan on keeping you long tonight. I once had someone tell me that I was a short-winded preacher and I was one of their favorites. <laughs> I'm guessing it was because of that fact. <laughs> Amen. But nonetheless, I do believe I have a word from the Lord for the body this evening. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25. When you have it, say amen. The word of the Lord says this. I have raised up one from the north. I'm sorry. That is the wrong scripture on my part. It's still Isaiah 40, 25. To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Quickly turning to one more portion of Scripture, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says this, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Amen. By the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I'd just like to talk to you on the subject. They that wait. They that wait. Could we lift our hands to heaven and just simply ask the Lord to be with us this evening? Precious Jesus, we thank you so much for your spirit that has filled your house tonight. Lord, we're so thankful for each and every member of the body that is here and everyone that's not able to be here. Lord, we ask that you would move in this house tonight. God, that your presence would fill this place to overflowing. God, that you would speak to the hearts and to the minds of your people. God, let your word penetrate deep, deep into our hearts this evening. Let it take root. Lord, let your perfect will be made manifest in the lives of your people tonight, we pray. We ask it in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for standing this evening. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I would propose to you this evening that the church of today faces perhaps more threats than it ever has before. It's no secret. No secret at all that this world, this culture, this very humanistic society that we live in, it possesses an immense hatred for the things of God. 
And it's not the people in the society. It's the spirit that is loosed in the society. It's no secret. It's everywhere that you look. The church is under attack today. Hollywood attacks the church. Pop music and pop culture constantly attacks the church and the things of the church. Even people in government offices today will at times attack what the church stands for. I'm here to tell you that there is an all-out assault on the church today. And this assault that has been launched by the enemy, it is not something new. It's not something that has just surfaced or just happened. It's something that has been in the works for quite some time. It is a very strategic thing. They, they, they slowly begin to attack our morals. They slowly start to attack and come after our godly lifestyle. And if we dare stand up for these morals, these, these beliefs that we hold dear in our Christian walk, in our Christian faith, if we dare proclaim the word and the truth and the way of the Lord, if we dare speak up for what is righteous, what is holy, what is right, what is true, they, they label it as something like hate speech. They label it as, as an antiquated view, if you will, of the world. They'll, they'll say, well, you're just, you're just old-fashioned. You just, you're not up to date. You're not with the times. You, you have an antiquated world view. Because holiness and godly living and righteousness, the things of God do not line up with the norms of today's society. I know that's not something that surprises us. That's something that we all deal with and we all work through every single day that we live in this world. I do not believe that it will be all that long before they will slowly start imposing even on our spiritual freedoms little by little. Telling us we can't worship the way that we worship. We, we got a very small taste of that in 2020. How many remember 2020? We got a very, very small taste of that in 2020 when the government stepped in in certain places and began to tell churches that they could not gather and worship the way that they always have. Slowly but surely, I believe it will happen. It's foretold that there will be persecution in the last days. It's not yet it evolved into a physical war being waged. It's not come to that point quite yet. They don't come right out and say, we're coming for the church. We're coming for what you believe. We're coming for what you hold dear. They're, they're smarter than that. That's not what they are doing. But this is a spiritual war. You better believe this is a spiritual war being waged. Scripture tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I'm here to tell you, there are definitely, without a doubt, spiritual wickedness in high places today. The Bible goes on to tell us that the only way you're going to be able to withstand this war, this battle that we are all a part of today, is if you put on the full armor of God. And let me tell you, friend, you do need the full armor of God. 
God. That is not something that is up for debate. That is not something that we can question. If you're going to survive this thing, you need the full armor of God. Far too many people, they, they, they want to pick and they want to choose what parts of it they're going to wear, what parts of it they are going to implement into their lives. Pick and choose the code that they live by. Pick and choose what they implement into their homes and into their marriages. But, but that's, that's not how this thing works. I, I remember Growing up, I would hear my grandfather, my pastor, he would, tell, he would tell the congregation things like, people today want cafeteria-style church. And I used to laugh at it, think that was a funny analogy, but it's sadly very, very true. People say, well, I'll take a big old heaping of blessing. I'll take a nice little side of prosperity. You can keep the holiness. You can keep the consecration. You can keep all of that stuff that, that I don't want. I'll just take and implement what I want to implement. I hate to disappoint you tonight if that is perhaps your plan or your agenda, but that is not how this thing works. You need this whole gospel. You need every ounce of this holy book. You need the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You've got to buy into this truth that we hold dear and you better not sell it. If you want to have victory in this battle, you've got to put on the full armor of God. Every single part of this armor is important. None of it is irrelevant. None of it is out of date. Every single piece of this spiritual armor is important. And if you choose to go out into this battle that we are in without the full armor of God, then you are simply leaving yourself exposed to the weapons and the tactics of the enemy. That is simply what you're doing. And, and it's not something that we can do in this day and age if we want to survive and make it through this thing. You must have your loins girt about with truth because the truth and only the truth is going to be what roots and grounds your children and the next generation to come. Your feet need to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you need to take that message of peace everywhere that you go. Because the world that we live in is in such turmoil. The world that we live in is falling apart more and more each day. And it is in desperate need of the peace of God. And above all, you've got to take up the shield of faith, for it and only it will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, of the enemy. And you've got to put on that helmet of salvation, for you've got to be washed and transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we, we've got to take up the sword of the Spirit. We've got to take up this sword of the Spirit. Listen, we cannot afford to underestimate the power that is in this book. This is not just another book. This is not just a collection of nice stories. This is not just some gathering of proverbs and, and nice quaint parables. This is the living word of God. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. This is how you fight your battles. 
This right here is how you fight your battles. When the enemy comes against your family, when the world comes after your kids, when the spirit of oppression comes after your mind, don't come against that with humanism and philosophy. You, you can't afford to come against that with positive thoughts and, and good vibes. You, you can't afford to simply find a new self-help book in, in times like this. None of those things are going to work because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You've got to pick up the sword. Oh, come on. We need some elders and some parents, some veterans in the army of the Lord to stand up and proclaim in these last days that Satan, you cannot have my family. You cannot have my joy. You cannot have my marriage. You cannot have my children. You cannot have my ministry. You cannot have this church. We've got to pick up the sword. We've got to pick up the sword. It's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that's going to get the job done. There is without a doubt an antichrist spirit that is roaming in the world today. It's everywhere you go. It's, it's, you can feel it in the world. You can feel it in your workplaces. You can feel it when you're simply out and about running errands. It's been loosed into the world. But I, I, I propose to you that the greatest threat to the church today is not the Antichrist spirit. I don't believe it's the obvious evil that we know, that we seal, see and we feel. I believe we're prepared for that thing. I believe we're prepared to fight off that spirit. That is something we've been prepared for for a long time. We are prepared for that thing. We, we've got the full armor of God. We're equipped to handle that spirit. But I believe that there is a greater threat, one that we do not suspect, one that we do not account for, one that has secretly crept its way into our churches, a, a much more effective tool that the adversary uses against the church today. I believe one of the greatest threats to the church that that the church faces today is weariness weariness i mean you you equate the two antichrist spirit weariness you would think it's not weariness but i believe that weariness is one of the greatest threats that the church faces today because satan knows he knows he's not going to get most born again blood bought holy ghost filled children of god to backslide he, he knows that's a losing battle the majority are not going to backslide he, he, he knows that that he cannot tempt most of us with drugs or alcohol or things of that nature he, he knows he's not going to be able to lure the majority of us with fame or fortune or he, he knows he won't be able to push many of us into alternate lifestyles he, he knows he won't be able to corrupt most of us and turn us into just outright criminals and degenerates but the one thing that he does so often succeed in doing. The one thing I have seen happen time and time again. The, the one thing he uses to make even the most stalwart to slip up so easily is simply making us weary in well-doing. He'll hit us with so much that we reach the point where we simply don't want to fight anymore. That we simply don't want to be on the front lines of this thing anymore. 
We may even start to believe the lie that it's simply not worth fighting anymore. We convince ourselves that we're just going to we're just going to lay low for a while. I'm just so so tired of fighting. I'm I'm tired of being on the front lines of this spiritual battle. I'm just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm just so worn out. I am weary. I'm tired. I've been through so much. I I think I deserve to take a rest now. I'm just going to take it easy for a while. I'm not going to backslide. I'm I'm just not going to press quite as hard as I always have. It's so easy to find yourself in that place. I I know what you're feeling. I know what you're thinking. I I know it's tiring. I know that you just want to break from the fight. I I know you're just just so sick and tired of of all of the mess that, that we have to deal with. But I beg and I plead with you this evening. You cannot stop now. We have come way too far. There is way too much at stake today. We, we, we need all hands on deck in these last days. We cannot afford for, for any of our brothers or sisters to become weary and well-doing. I want to encourage somebody tonight. We cannot afford to grow tired. We cannot afford to grow weary. We cannot afford to stop fighting. We cannot afford to, to just become lukewarm. We, 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 don't you dare believe the lie of the enemy. He knows he can't beat you. He knows that he cannot defeat the church. He knows that he's fighting a losing battle. He knows that the gates of hell can never and will never prevail against the church. He knows all of that. His goal is not to defeat you. He knows he can't defeat the church. All he's trying to do is make you so weary that you stop fighting. His goal is to make you so tired, so weak, so weary, so downtrodden, so stressed out, so distressed, so so just alone, so tired that you simply lay down the sword. I'm here to preach to somebody this evening that maybe feels like they've already given everything that they've got. Somebody who feels like their best days are behind them. Somebody who feels like their best years are in the rearview mirror. Somebody who who maybe has become a little weary and well-doing in the process of this battle. Somebody who maybe feels like they've already fought the good fight. And maybe you feel like it's time to lay down the sword and just take a seat on the back row until the trumpet sounds. Oh, be encouraged in the Lord tonight. Oh, be encouraged in the Lord tonight. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. The church needs you. I said the church needs you. The church needs every single one of you. Now is not the time to spiritually retire. Now is not the time to lay down the sword. There's a war going on out there. And there's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
and the time is growing shorter and shorter and you can rest assured he's coming for your friends and he's coming for your co-workers and he's coming for your neighbors he's coming for your family you cannot stop fighting you cannot stop praying you cannot stop reaching you cannot stop doing outreach you cannot stop teaching bible studies you can't stop you can't stop you can't stop because the church is the last line of defense we're the only thing standing in his way we're the last line of defense the enemy knows he knows he can't destroy the church but he knows if he throws enough at you if he surprises he catches you off guard enough that he can make you weary in well-doing. He doesn't come against the Holy Ghost-filled believer the way he does the lost or the sinner. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost and living a holy life, living a life of righteousness, he comes after you differently. He'll hit you with things, with, with the, what the Bible says are weights that so easily beset you. He'll hit you head on with things, things you never once saw coming, things that completely take you by surprise, things that, that simply make you take your eye off of the mark, things that, that just distract you for a little bit, things that just take you down a short detour, things that take up your time and keep you busy outside of the kingdom of God. Not necessarily bad things even, just things that keep you out of the will and the purpose of God. He'll come at you with marital strife and he'll stir up trouble in the home. He'll come at you with thoughts of doubt and confusion and have you thinking that nothing you've ever done has even mattered in this life. He'll hit you with depression and loneliness and have you thinking that nobody would even miss you if you just stopped showing up. Nobody would even care if you stopped occupying the seat that you occupy. He'll come at you like a whirlwind. A whirlwind of turbulence. A whirlwind of turbulence. A while ago, probably about a year ago, actually, my wife and I were on our way home from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her family lives there. Um, from here, it's about a 21-hour drive, so you better believe I try to fly as much as I can. <laughs> but most of the flights out there, they have a stop in Denver. How many have ever flown in or out of Denver before? Then you probably know what I'm talking about this evening. Denver is strategically located right next to the Rocky Mountains. And when you fly in or out of Denver, you usually encounter some type of turbulence. O almost every single time, in or out, you're going to encounter some bumpy events. Um, but this particular time, we flew in from Albuquerque, got on the plane in Denver, we're getting ready to head home, and we're... I noticed we're just sitting there. They've already finished their spiel about the seat belts and the oxygen masks and all that good stuff that we pay attention to. Um, and I noticed we're just sitting there a little longer than usual. And the pilot comes over the intercom and says, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we've been advised not to take off due to high winds. 
Um, but we're just going to hang tight for a little while, and we should be good to go in 25, 30 minutes. So we sat there for 25, 30 minutes, and came back on the intercom, said, okay, we should be good to go, but I'm just going to warn you, it's going to be a little bumpy. It's going to be quite bumpy. And I'm like, it's Denver. Of course it's going to be bumpy. Just, just get me home already. And I did not give him the credit <laughs> that he deserved for warning us. Um, it was quite bumpy and quite windy. We go to take off, and we're not even in the air yet, and that whole plane is swerving down the runway. The wind's blowing the whole tail of that plane. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. Lord, make me ready to meet you. <laughs> and I'm not generally worried. I, I've flown enough. You know, turbulence is just part of a flight. But let me tell you, this was a little bit different. We take off, and I mean, as soon as we're off the ground, we're jumping and jostling and bumping, and I mean, I've never experienced anything quite like it. But before we took off, he, he told us, don't worry, it, it's going to be bumpy, it's going to be rough, you're going to think, why did I get on this plane? But once we get to the appropriate altitude, we'll be fine, don't worry about it. So I'm just sitting there jumping and jostling and water dropping and... <laughs> And I'm just, man, we can just hold on till we get up to 30,000 feet or whatever it was. And let me tell you, once we hit that altitude, it instantaneously stopped. It wasn't some gradual slowing down. It was instant. As soon as we hit the right altitude, you knew it. Because the bumping stopped, the jerking stopped, the blowing around stopped, and it was completely smooth sailing. Now, it hadn't disappeared. The winds, the conditions, the storm, it was still there. It was still happening. It was still going on. But we had gone up to another level. We'd gone up to a different dimension. And at that moment... Isaiah 40 and 31 came to my mind. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. I, I wish I could tell you tonight that once you make the incredible decision to serve God with your whole heart, that you're never, ever going to experience trouble. I, I wish I could tell you that you'd never experience any kind of turbulence. I wish I could tell you you'd never fall on hard times. I wish I could tell you that you'd never be sick in your body. I, I wish I could tell you that you'd never, ever grow tired or weary in this life. But all of that would be a lie because it, it's just part of life. It, life is not an easy thing. The scripture tells us that man that's born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. It, it, it's just part of life. You're going to go through things. You're going to face things. It's not easy, this life that we live in. But here's what I can tell you. You do have a promise this evening that if you wait upon the Lord, no matter how difficult the situation may seem, no matter how hopeless it might feel in certain moments and times,
times. If you wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength, and you're going to mount up on wings as eagles. You're going to run and not be weary. You're going to walk, and you're not going to faint, whether it be in this life or whether it be on up in glory land. One of these days, you're going to mount up on wings as eagles, and you're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk, and you're not going to faint if, if you wait on the Lord. And it's imperative that we understand and we, we realize what it means to wait on the Lord. I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean folding your arms and sitting on the pew and refusing to do anything. It doesn't mean refusing to be involved. It doesn't mean saying, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm not going to do anything at all. I'm just going to sit here and wait on the Lord, and you just try and convince me otherwise. That is not what waiting on the Lord means. It does not mean you sit on a pew and never do anything. It does not mean you become inactive in the church. It means staying where God has placed you until his perfect will is performed in your life. It means even when you don't know what you're supposed to do, you keep doing what you do know to do. It means you keep coming to church even when people have hurt you. It means you keep reaching for the lost even when you're your own kids aren't serving the Lord. It means you keep praying even when it feels like your prayers aren't getting anywhere. I'm here to tell you, child of God, I know there's going to be seasons in this life that are going to be hard, that are going to be difficult, but quitting is not the answer. Laying down the sword is not the remedy or the answer. Do not stop coming to church. Wait on the Lord. Don't forsake your prayer life. Wait on the Lord. Don't, don't you dare give up on your kids just wait on the Lord don't don't throw in the towel just yet wait on the Lord wait on the Lord wait on the Lord his perfect will will come to pass his perfect will will prevail his purpose will be made manifest in your life he will do what he said he would do but you've got to wait on him You've got to wait on him. Waiting's not an easy thing to do. We do not like to wait, especially in 2022. We don't like to wait five minutes in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, much less years for the Lord to answer a prayer. Waiting is, is a very difficult thing for us to do, but I'm here to tell you, if you wait on the Lord, if you wait on the Lord, if you keep coming to church, if you stay faithful, if you stay steadfast, he will show up. Up, and he will do what he said he would do. He will do what he said he would do. I believe that every word in Scripture is important. Every word in Scripture is important, and every analogy is important. Every visual that Scripture portrays is for a reason and for a purpose. There's no mistakes in this book. It's the infallible word of God, and every word is intentional. And I love that the scripture uses this analogy of wings like eagles, because eagles are such incredible, incredible creatures. Brother Sizemore, you were preaching several months ago, and he was talking about eagles and how just incredible they are as creatures, and he, he mentioned this fact. I'll mention it again. We, we know that our country's 
symbol, our international symbol, or national symbol rather, is the eagle. There's nothing more patriotic than the American eagle. It strikes fear into the hearts of our enemies. <laughs> but, but did you know the founding fathers came very, very close to picking a different bird than the eagle? They almost picked the turkey. They almost picked the turkey. It's a true story. You can look it up. What if that had happened? We would have lost World War II, that's for certain. <laughs> the turkey's not going to win any world wars. <laughs> We'd all be sitting around the table a few, or last week, eating roasted eagle. <laughs> We'd be shopping at American Turkey. <laughs> it would be terrible. <laughs> I'm thankful it didn't happen because eagles... Eagles are such incredible creatures. They're majestic things. They, they can fly up to heights of over 10,000 feet. And they can travel spans of, of 250 plus miles in a single day by themselves. And they have a wingspan that's nearly 8 feet long. And they, they, their, their wings are unlike any other bird. No other bird has wings like eagles. Eagles, their wings are, are created specifically for certain things. And one of those things, zoologists and biologists have witnessed this. They've caught eagles. They fly head on into storms. It's, it's a mind-blowing thing to see. They're not afraid of the storms. They're not worried about the winds or the currents or anything like that. They fly head on into the storm. And they found out the reason why is because their wings are so incredible. They harness the power of the winds and the currents. And they use the same winds and the currents that keep most things on the ground to propel themselves into heavenly places. They will fly head on into these storms and they use the strength of the winds and the storm to fly up into a different dimension where there's no wind, there's no storm, there's nothing threatening them. They use the storm against itself. It doesn't matter how bad the elements are. It doesn't matter how bad the storm is. The eagle's not afraid because it knows that this storm is intimidating. But if I handle this situation right, if I handle this correctly, it could catapult me into heavenly places. I, I'm here to tell you the storms of life will be what either keep you grounded in your confusion, your depression, and your fear, and your anxiety or if you wait on the Lord if you submit yourself to his will and his divine purpose if you stay faithful even when it's hard if you remain steadfast even when times are uncertain it will be what propels you to new heights I've watched, I've watched precious saints of God, veterans of the gospel, leaders and elders of the church all my life. I've watched them go through trials, through pain, through circumstance, through sickness and struggles and, and storms that would destroy most people. But you would never even know they were facing 
anything just by watching their worship. You would never know that they were facing times of uncertainty if you simply examined their walk with God. The, 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 the people that knew what they were going through would just be amazed at how they could keep going, how they could even get up out of bed in the morning. They should be weary. They should be tired. They should be faint. They should be falling to pieces right now. But those elders, those warriors for Christ, they understand something that we all need to understand this evening. They understand that the storm you're going through, what you're facing right now, was never ever meant to destroy you. That terrible circumstance that you're facing right now was not designed to be your end. That pain and that weariness and that hurt and that struggle, the storm you're in right now is not your end. No, no, no. When you mount up on wings like eagles, it'll be what catapults you into heavenly places. I'm here to tell somebody when you wait on the Lord, when he renews your strength, when you mount up on wings as eagles, then the very thing you thought was going to kill you, the very thing that you thought was going to destroy you, the very thing that you just knew was going to be your end and your demise is just going to push you closer and closer to Jesus. The, the storm, it might hit your family. It might come against your marriage. It might hit your ministry. It might make you a little weary, but they that wait upon the Lord, they that come to church when it's hard to come to church. They, they that pray even when they're not sure what to pray. They that praise him even when they don't feel like they have anything to praise him for. They that stay faithful even when their world is falling apart. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They're going to mount up on wings like eagles. Go on devil. Give it your best shot. Give it your best shot but just so you know Fair warning, anything and everything you throw at me is just going to put me closer and closer to him. It's just going to lift me closer and closer to my eternal destiny. It's just going to lift me closer and closer to Jesus. So you just go ahead and come against my family. But just so you know, my family's just going to get closer to Jesus. You go ahead and come against my marriage. But, but just so you know, my marriage is just going to get closer to Jesus. You go ahead and come against the church. But the church is just going to get closer and closer and closer. Closer to him. <laughs> the biggest obstacle between you and what God has planned for you is your reaction to the storm. The biggest obstacle between you and your God-given destiny is your reaction to the storm. When most people see a storm coming, they start looking for shelter. They start scrambling for a place to hide, a place to take refuge. They get discouraged. They stop praying like they used to. They stop coming to church like they know they should be. They, they go back to old relationships and old habits that, that the Lord had delivered them from. I'm here to tell you, it matters how you react to the storm. I'm here to tell you, don't you be intimidated by the, the wiles of the enemy. He cannot defeat you. He cannot kill you. If, if he succeeds in killing this earthly body, you're going to wake up on streets of 
gold and you're going to be dancing before the Lord. I'm here to tell you, he cannot defeat you. You need to stop being intimidated by that storm because it matters. It matters how you react to the storm. What if Joseph, we love to tell the story of Joseph, but what if Joseph had gotten discouraged in the middle of his storm? What if he'd grown weary in well-doing? What if he, while in a prison cell he didn't deserve to be in, said, you know what, I don't have to do this. I, I don't have to deal with this. God has forsaken me. I, I, I shouldn't be here. I don't deserve any of this. But we know good and well that's not what happened. Joseph understood something that we all need to understand tonight. That if you wait upon the Lord. Yes, I know it doesn't make any sense. But you've got to wait upon the Lord. Yeah, yes, I know you're in the fight of your life right now. But I, I'm here to tell you, if you can just wait on the Lord. I, I know you're stuck in a situation that you don't think you deserve to be in but I'm here to tell you if you wait on the Lord if you wait on the Lord if you stay faithful if you keep praying if you keep coming to outreach if you keep coming to family prayer if you stay faithful oh, one of these days it might not be when you expect it it might not be when you planned on it to be but you can rest assured one of these days when you wait on the Lord you're going to mount up on wings like eagles, and you're going to fly out of that circumstance. You're going to fly and rise up out of depression. You're going to fly and rise up out of sickness. Oh, I wish I could preach it the way that I feel it. I'm here to tell somebody if you can just wait on the Lord. If you can just wait on him. I'm not going to preach any longer. If we could stand to our feet, musicians come this evening. We as the church have got to learn how to wait, how to not grow discouraged when things don't go the way that we plan them, how to not throw in the towel when we're facing uncertainty, how to not be intimidated by the storm that we seem to be facing. I'm here to tell you, if you can just wait on him. If you can just make up in your mind that there's nothing going to detour me, there's nothing going to hinder me, there's nothing going to stop me. When the doors are open, I'm going to be there. Every morning that I wake up, I'm going to lift up that beautiful name that's above every name. I'm going to submit myself to his will and to his purpose. And not just when it makes sense. It's easy to submit yourself to God when everything seems to be going all right and everything seems to make sense. But the moment things get hard, That's when we've got to be more resolved than ever. That no matter what happens, no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm not, I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to stop coming to church. I'm not going to lash out against my brother or my sister. I'm going to wait. And come what may, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust the Lord. I wonder if we could make our way down to this altar this evening. If we could lift our hands to heaven. Lord, teach us to wait. To 
wait on your will, to wait on your purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Let's fill this place with prayer. I know some people might be some facing, they might be facing some uncertainties right now. But I'm here to tell you, if you can wait on Him, if you can just wait on the Lord. Teach me, Lord. 